Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to WFAN's Baseball Insiders for Monday, April 18th. I'm Sweeney Murdy. The Yankees are off on Monday. They start a three-game series in Detroit on Tuesday. Still licking their wounds from that weekend in Baltimore. And what a terrible series that was for the Yankees uh, by losing two out of three. And it's a combination of the offensive troubles plus who they lost to that really make it sit badly right now. Uh, the biggest thing that happened was that they let the Orioles hang around because even a bad team, if you let them get to the point where they're one swing away from winning the game, well, you know that's a, that's almost a 50-50 proposition. And that's what happened as the Orioles got late into those ball games on Friday and Sunday with a chance to win with one swing. Friday was extra innings. Sunday, uh, it was the eighth inning when they put the rally together. And that's the biggest thing that happened to the Yankees. And offensively, you're looking at a team that is falling into the same trap as last season a couple of different ways. One, you know, runners in scoring position, yes. Scoring runs, yes. But the, but the other one is the idea that they are letting teams hang around, like the Orioles over the weekend, and missing a chance to get into a blowout game. And blowout doesn't have to be 20 to 1. But if you put up a couple of runs early on here and there and leave the outcome not in doubt by the sixth or seventh inning, and you have, say, a four-run lead, or you know, it can be as simple as a three- or four-run lead because most teams do not come back from that regularly, and especially a bad team does not come back from that regularly. So it can really impact the way you use your bullpen. Right now, the Yankees are playing a lot of close games just like they did a year ago. And it's impacting how they use their bullpen. It's impacting the idea that they're using them a lot. And it's by design they're using them a lot, but then you walk that line of too much, right? And it's the close games that's really getting you there. Uh, their bullpen is really good, and they're, it's, the game is designed this way. The game is no longer designed to have you know, five studs in your rotation or even you know, a couple of studs and a couple of serviceable starters and kind of work your way towards one closer. There are usually about three or four closer types in the ball game every night now coming out of the bullpen. And that's how the Yankees have built their bullpen. That's how a lot of teams are operating now. So it's not it's not out of design. You know, the going to the pen and going to Loisaga and Holmes and Green and everybody else, that's all by design because those are the best pitchers, especially when you think of the idea of, you know, a middling starting pitcher 
at 90 or 100 pitches versus one of these relievers out of the pen. So everybody's building their team this way, and the Yankees have have done the same thing. So getting to the point where they're using those relievers isn't a bad thing. That's by design. But they're getting to them with without regular leads, and without having big leads, you can't rest them. When you have big leads, you can throw somebody in there for maybe two, three innings. Maybe you can get Clark Schmidt three innings out of the bullpen and hold a four-run lead. Uh, but when you're playing close games, it's bringing everybody else in. Uh, Chapman's, yeah, Chapman can be a bit of a problem sometimes. He'll go through some of this every once in a while. Um, the fact that it's happening early in conjunction with all these things is troublesome. But I think if you look at closers around the league, you're going to find that this isn't unique and that Aroldis Chapman... Uh, healthy will probably get into a run here where he's going to run off a bunch of saves. But the problem is, again, you're playing a lot of close games. And if you've got a guy who walks a batter or two, you're, you're walking that tightrope of winning the game. So Chapman is in this, uh, is in part of this problem area right now over the course of the fir- first 10 games or so. Uh, the Yankees offensive woes. Well, I, I have a hard time combining last year and this year. And I know that's what, um, you know, the coaches are separating from two, and as fans, it's it's a part of one big problem, and I, I, I agree to a degree. But when you're talking about guys who have moved six months past last year, um, and, you know, a third of the lineup is different, um, I'm not, and, and the start of a season is always something that's, you know, hard to get into and get rhythm. I have a hard time lumping it in just yet, but they're showing a lot of the same problem areas that they showed last year. So that part's alarming. And when you look at the reasons for it, okay, well, let's break it down a little bit. Remember, the Yankees fired all their hitting coaches, brought in new hitting coaches. That was one of the criticisms from a year ago. Uh, So it's new coaches. So far, same kind of result. Um, The swing of the fences versus small ball. Listen, the Yankees tried a little bit of small ball. You know, there was a sequence uh, in the Blue Jays series where they tried to hit and run, but didn't work because he fouled the ball off. Um, and there was also a situation in Sunday's game where the Yankees laid down a bunt. Glaber Torres, I didn't love the bunt in that spot. Um, I'd rather him swing, but they explained it away as with a shift on, he could have pushed a bunt to the right side and gotten a hit. And that's what he was bunting for. Okay, that's fine. But I still look at, you know, Glaber Torres has to hit his way out of this. And against Baltimore, against the left-hander, and setting it up for a bottom of the lineup that hasn't been smoking the ball either, I thought it was a better play to let Glaber Torres swing than try to bunt. Well, either way, he executed a bunt, pushed the runner to second base. Next batter singles the left side, but the runner didn't score. The runner had to stop at third. So you executed what is a really typical small ball routine of single, bunt, single. And it resulted in zero runs. And then the next batter after that, into a double play resulted in no runs whatsoever. They're trying to hit for extra bases, okay? And that's what they still should be doing, but you got a lot of guys off to slow starts. So the small ball answer, it works in parts and in different times, but just gave you two instances where the Yankees tried what would be a small ball approach, and it didn't necessarily work. Uh, it did, Not necessarily. It didn't work. Um, but you have guys who, you know, in the first 10 games of the year, they're some guys are going to get off to hot starts. Some guys are going to get off to cold starts. And the cold starts are the ones who we tend to focus on because, you know, they're the ones who you can point to and say, hmm, they'd have gotten some big hits, would have won those games. Joey Gallo is one of them. Glaber Torres is one of them. Um, you know, Gallo is a guy who's, okay, he's hitting to some hard outs, but he's still a guy who's, you know, he's 
built to hit the ball over the fence, right? There are a lot of weird things about watching Joey Gallo play baseball, kind of like just watching how his game adds up to the numbers that you see on the page. Because if you look up the end of the year and you've got 30, 40 home runs, um, you'll take that from a lot of players, even with the lower batting average, even with strikeouts. Depending on the rest of the lineup construction and how he fits into the rest of the piece um, and, and what his other tools are, and for Gallo, some speed on the bases and uh, good outfield play, really good outfield play, is part of the equation. But watching him get to those numbers is kind of maddening, and watching him get off to a slow start, even when he's lining out a few times, that gets kind of frustrating. Gleyber Torres isn't there yet and it brings me to the idea of lineup construction and the Yankees are trying to rotate guys in and out to get optimal rest for some guys and you know the the idea could have solved itself if somebody gotten hurt you don't want to root for that but as you try and figure out now how to get this rotation working to the point where it's beneficial to everybody I kind of come back to a lineup idea that has Glaber Torres not in it and here's what I think is my optimal lineup at this point. You know, and I build this around the idea that DJ LeMay was the guy that shouldn't be moving around necessarily and finding a place to play. He should have a place to play. Uh, and I understand the idea of trying to rotate the guys when you've got a lot of healthy players and when you want to get rest for certain guys here and there. You know, nobody's going to play 160. But DJ LeMay was the guy that I, you know, he's to me he's their best hitter. And I want him in there as much as possible, in a good spot, and doing what he can do, especially when he showed you early on now that he's healthy again. And last year looks like a fluke because of the injury he tried to play through. So if I'm looking forward here, to me an optimal lineup would be DJ LeMahieu leading off, Aaron Judge hitting second, and Anthony Rizzo hitting third. I then go with Stanton, Donaldson, and Gallo. Um... I I understand why the Yankees brought Gallo back. It's not be, mostly because their their outfield depth is compromised here, and they you know if you look around what their options might have been, bringing back Gallo was easier to do. Okay, but the rest of the guys in the lineup have to hit too, uh, and so does he. But I've got Gallo sixth in my lineup playing left field. Then it's Hicks, Isaiah Kiner, Falefa, and then the catcher. Whether uh, however you want to split up, Kyle Gashioka and Jose Trevino, it's probably a pretty even split, or at least a you know if it's not an eighty, if it's not an eighty eighty split over one hundred and sixty, then it's you know ninety seventy something like that. Anyway, it brings me to DJ LeMahieu at the top of the order consistently playing second base. And Gleyber Torres is the guy who is not in the lineup consistently every day. Uh, offensively and defensively, Gleyber's not there yet. And I, I went back and found a quote the other day that somebody reminded me of that Josh Donaldson gave when he was at Toronto and the Blue Jays were struggling. And he said, this isn't the tri-league, it's the get-it-done league. And that's the kind of mentality that Donaldson brings in that uh, I talked to people before the season said, this is you know this is the kind of mentality that Kirk Gibson-esque intensity is going to bring that could be good for this team. Well, if I'm making out the lineup, I need to remember that it's the get-it-done league, not the tri-league. And now there are variations of that. Some guys get longer rope than others for different reasons, and you all know why. But Glaber Torres is at a point now where listen, the Yankees need to develop some sort of offensive consistency and some identity, and Glaber's not helping be part of the solution right now. So... If he was not part of my everyday lineup, I think I'd be okay with it, despite everything you've invested in him and trying to get him to the point where you want him to be one of the dangerous players again. It's, you know, he's he's trying fine, but he's not getting it done. And I need DJ LeMahieu in the lineup 
more often. So to me, again, it's LeMahieu, Judge, Rizzo is a top three that I would love to throw out there the first inning every game. Uh, Aaron Judge sat the other day. Listen, if he sits one every 10 games, he's still playing over 140, between 140 and 150 games healthy. I, I wouldn't get too caught up in the fact that he sat the other day um, in a game that the, the rest of the Yankees only scored one run in 11 innings. You know, that's that's not all on him. And they wouldn't have scored 12, or maybe even they wouldn't have scored two if he had been in that day. Who knows? I think we saw how crazy the game is when we saw Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit three homers and a double one night and strike out four times the next night. Um, so I'm not as caught up in why Judge didn't play Friday night. He sat one of the first 10. I, I think that's a that's that's not a, an unreasonable thing when you're talking about a player that they're trying to keep healthy who has had a history of cert, certain issues um, but to me that's the that's the um optimal lineup right now that they've got to kind of start to try to run out there as much as possible and Glaber isn't part of that for me um will he get his way back in it at some point if now this isn't what I'm saying is hap- going to happen this is what I'm saying what I what I think should happen my gut is that they're going to just kind of keep running that rotation out there until an injury or some other factor forces them to change it. Um, listen, there is a time for patience, and the Yankees have shown you that that's what they're about. But I also think it's important. I, I understand it's important not to overreact, but it's okay to react. Um, reacting and overreacting are two different things. So saying that you have to trade this guy and cut that guy, well, that's overreacting. But to maybe put in a lineup that is maybe built a little bit better for what you're doing right now, to me, that's reacting. And that's the way I would approach it. I still have a team that is pitching extremely well, and you don't want to waste that because they're going to hit a bump in the road at some point. But I think you should be very excited about what you saw from Garrett Cole and Luis Severino and Jordan Montgomery and uh, Jamison Tyone and Nestor Cortez. Some more than others, sure. But all five of those guys right now healthy, improving, building stamina, uh, building durability, and handing it off to a bullpen that looks extremely tough to hit. I'm okay with all that. Their pitching is not the issue. Hasn't been for two years. Their hitting has been, and I think it's time to react a little bit before it gets too late, and you have to think about overreacting or other factors get in the way. Yankees play the Tigers this week. 6.40 start times, first pitch in Detroit on Tuesday and Wednesday, so keep that in mind. Airtime on WFAN is 6 o'clock. It's a Thursday day game at 1 o'clock before returning home for a weekend series against, oh yeah, Cleveland and then Baltimore. Uh, And then we'll see how the... uh, how the Yankees respond over the course of these games after losing their first series of the year, losing it to an Orioles team they should have beat, and losing in the fashion that is highly unacceptable. They should have been able to score more than they did uh, and not leave those games in doubt by letting a bad team hang around late. Remember, Tuesday night, 6 o'clock pregame show, 6.40 first pitch. Garrett Cole takes the mound, and uh, we'll be wrapping up all the action uh, postgame as well. I'm Sweeney Murdy reminding you to subscribe to WFAN's Baseball Insiders. Subscribe and review and all that jazz. And until next time, thanks for listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.